This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, this is a Future of What single. If you want to get the whole thing, visit our website at KillRockStars.com slash The Future of What. Support for The Future of What comes from Merch Table. Since 2002, Merch Table has operated and managed online stores for hundreds of successful musicians, record labels, comedians, artists, and small businesses. Big or small, set up shop today by visiting merchtable.com. We're talking to Shane Told of Silverstein and the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast. Shane, welcome to the future of what? Thank you for having me. This is lovely. I'm excited. We're co, what do you, what do you call that? Well, you're on the same record label, your label mates. So are we like podcast right, yeah, network like mates? Podcast mates? <laughs> We're podcast mates. <laughs> network mates. That That's sounds, cool. network mates sounds like too, too nerdy, too technical, you know? <laughs> but no, I, I mean, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I mean, Jabberjaw, it's, it's, it's a cool network. There, there's a lot of diversity, but it's all kind of based around music. And in the podcast world, you think, you know, music would be the dominating category or, you know, subject, but it's really not. No, it's no? not. Yeah. And it's kind of weird to me. I know. It's funny. And also, I've really been noticing lately, like, I've been excited about Jabberjaw because there's like your show, there's my Carrera show, there's a bunch where they're actually musicians doing podcasting. And that's, I've been so surprised at the tiny number of musicians who've gotten into podcasting. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, you'd think that so many more would do it, you know, because it's like, you kind of have the, if you're a career musician, you kind of have the lifestyle, like you, you have the time usually <laughs> to do it. It's true. I mean, I think a lot of musicians though are kind of self-conscious, I think. And, you know, I think that goes with the territory a little bit. And the other thing is I would only have started my podcast. I only started it because, well, first of all, it's a hilarious name <laughs> and because it's like an actual unique idea. Right. You know, I mean, if there's not a musician interviewing a musician, isn't really that unique idea, I should say. But like the idea of it being lead singers and stuff, like there's at least a concept there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, so yeah, so that is, is a thing. I think like, I don't know, I think unless you have a great idea and something really different, you know, maybe it's best just to stay out of the way. You don't want to have like too much stuff watered down, you know? I know, but I always quote somebody who said to me like well over a year ago, like two years ago, they were like, you know, if there was a podcast that was just like Dave Grohl and his friends just like sitting around drinking beers talking, everybody would listen to that. You know, people would be interested because That's those true. are, you know, those are people whose lives you're interested in. And instead, it really hasn't been that. It's been like every single comedian on the entire planet has like at least one, yeah. if not like five podcasts, like journalists, like all these sort of culture figures, but but musicians, not so much so. Anyway, I'm glad you decided to do it. <laughs> no, it's been great. I've been doing it now 67 episodes in and having a blast. Yeah. You were right about at the same amount. I think we're at like 69. So we're, we're really on track. Cool. What made you think of doing a podcast? I mean, was it that you got the idea for the name and you were like, oh my God, that's an awesome idea? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it actually stemmed from a long time ago. It was a buddy from Census Fail and some magazine set up this thing where we were supposed to interview each other for like a magazine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I took it like really seriously. I wanted to like, you know, ask good, relevant questions. I didn't want it to suck, you know? So I took the time and, and he kind of said after, Oh, you know, like you really did a good job. Like you asked really good questions. And he did the same for me. And I was like, okay, well, musicians interviewing musicians is like, maybe that's better than just some journalist that doesn't necessarily isn't able to relate, you know? 
mm-hmm. one singer to another. And then so that uh, combination of the name with Singer Syndrome, I was like, okay, I got to do something. And I originally thought of doing it as like a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that was just going to be way too much work with figuring out how to film it and edit. And I don't know anything about editing video, you know. So I just decided, hey, like a podcast format for this is probably the way to go. And I didn't know that much about how to actually go about producing a podcast and, and getting it on iTunes and that whole thing. So Jabberjaw helped me out. And, and here we are. And now I'm, I guess I'm kind of an expert now, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> right. If you do it, then you just get better at it. It's weird how that works. I, yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> like even, even like things like I do all the graphics, you know, for my show uh-huh. and I'm not a graphics guy, but I like feel pretty confident now, like with my Photoshop <laughs> skills. So it's been beneficial to me in so many ways. Yeah, that's amazing. So you guys got signed to Victory, which is a big independent label in the U.S. And did you guys at any point have a manager? Like, do you have a manager? Did you have a manager? How did that work out? Or was it just you and the label? We sold 100,000 records and we didn't have a manager. Okay. Ever. Right. So basically our drummer and myself, we managed the band. We made the business decisions Again, it's just so funny to talk about because like we didn't even like the word career. If someone said career to me, I would laugh because it's like Tom Cruise has a career. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I didn't even think like of bands like, you know, punk bands that I liked, like No Effects or Rancid or Bad Religion. I didn't even think of those bands as like having a career. You know, it, it, it was just not, I don't know. It, it didn't really make sense. So we, didn't, we just did whatever we thought was good. And it was just the two of us. And basically, we were like, well, we're making enough money that we can live and do it this way. And if we work with some manager that's maybe going to f- everything up and then take like, what, 15 or 20% like off the top, like we were smart enough to run the numbers and be like, well, if they take all this money off the top, we aren't going to have any money at the end of the tour. You know what I mean? So we, our first manager, we explained this to him and he said, well, yeah, like I'll work on the net. And, you know, we were able to pay him, I think we paid him like 15% of net, which is basically kind of like a sixth member of the band, which to me is the way all management situations should work. I think it's the most fair. And he was our manager for a while. His name was David Leftwood. He was Primus's manager for many years. He might still be, does shows out in, in San Francisco. And he was terrific, you know, and you know, over time, like people change, things change. And, you know, we ended up moving, moving to a different manager and then another manager. But over the last, couple years myself and paul our drummer have been managing the band and just actually recently our drummer paul started managing other bands and kind of came to us and was like hey i want to like actually manage our band like i i know it's weird when i'm our drummer calling like a company but i have my own company now i'm managing other bands i've been successful so can i just do this and so now so yeah so we're self-managed but our drummer also manages other bands Cool. That's, yeah, that's an interesting way to do it. Not particularly common, but, you know, having been in the business 17 years, that's not surprising, actually. I mean, it's kind of a wise move. I have some regrets about that, too, because in the beginning, we were fighting for ourselves and it was us and the label and there was kind of no one between. Mm -hmm. I guess our agent at some points would handle some of the management side of things. We didn't really know that's what was happening at the time. Your booking agent? Yeah, our booking agent. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of a thing. But then at the same time, I feel like the label was able to, to sort of dictate and kind of, str- I don't want to say strong arm, because that sounds a little like crazy, but and sometimes it was crazy. But, you know, the label was very like intense and hands-on and kind of called the shots. 
and sort of maybe took advantage of us in, in certain ways when we were young and as what many labels do. So there were some regrets that we didn't have like a seasoned veteran to be like, hey, maybe I should look over this royalty statement. We didn't have somebody like that doing it. Right. So that was probably pretty stupid. <laughs> but all the money we, we would have had to pay a manager, especially like the manager that gets paid on the gross, we would have lost way more money in the long run <laughs> than having that manager look over the statements and being like, I don't know. Well, we don't have money to sue the label anyways or audit them. So whatever. You just kind of have to live with it. Right. You know, so. You guys are an interesting test case for me because what I say on the show all the time is that we have this narrative in American culture about sort of like a lot of what you said, like we're doing it for fun. We weren't really thinking about it in, a, in business terms. And I'm like, that is so true with every band. Like I was, it was the same in my bands. You know, we never thought of it like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I have to think about my taxes or whatever. Mm -hmm. We were just like, oh my God, we, we went on tour and people actually showed up at the shows. We we're just like so thrilled that people cared. But there does come a time in a band's life where you actually do have to say, you know, something, this is my job. Yep. And I do make money from it. And like you said, you know, you guys were like, oh, if we gave a manager a percentage of gross, we would be losing money. So you did start treating it like a business, even if you weren't really thinking about it like that. Yeah, well, we we always we still treated it like a business. Like it was just that that we were trying to just be like sustainable. Like we were we wanted to be able to come home from a tour and be able to make more merch so we could go on tour again. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? We wanted to be able to like it was more like that than like trying to get get rich or even get paid because we were also smart enough that like we moved back in with our parents. You know. <laughs> Like yeah. we, none of us paid rent for years. Like we were all living at home. Well, we weren't even living at home because we were never home because we were touring like literally 10 months a year. And so, you know, so that's just the way we approached it. But I mean, I remember our first van, which like I traded my car for. And I remember I used to, I don't even know why I did this because I'm a nerd, I guess. I would write down like the mileage of the van and how much we spent on gas and you know, and all this stuff. And I would keep track of that. And I'd keep track of the receipts and everything just because I thought I should. And then, and I, you know, there's always like a fear that a merch guy or a crew guy or even a band member is going to like go into the cash box and like pull out the money. And I, and I didn't want to be me handling that stuff. I didn't want to be accused of stealing money or anything like that, you know, because you hear things about that in bands. So I felt like it was appropriate just for us to kind of do our own sort of accounting but yeah, in terms of like things like taxes and shit like that, we didn't know. I just, I just would hand money out to the band members and be like, yeah, probably just like keep it under your mattress or something. Like don't put it in a bank account. We don't want to raise any, like any questions. Right. But when that money started growing bigger and bigger and I had like, I remember I had like $15,000 in cash in like a, in a safe deposit box. I was like, yeah, I probably, we probably need to like call a <laughs> business manager because I don't want to like go to prison, you know? Right. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but that's, you know, that's kind of how it goes, right? It's like you start it as fun. You start it as the, your passion. And then it ends up yeah. like the business part kind of grows on you, like in this sneaky way. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're being successful and if you're making money. It does. And there's also res you have reservations about that, too. And like me thinking I was like punk or like wanting to be punk or, you know, that whole thing, which like is now that I'm in my like I'm turned 36 this week. Like I kind of roll my eyes, right? you know, when I think about this stuff. And when, especially when I hear younger people saying, oh, well, you know, that's not cool or that's not punk rock or whatever. And it's like, you look back at the bands that I looked up to and thought were so cool. And 
they might have acted like they were like punk or too cool or whatever, but they cared. Like they cared about how many kids were at the show. They cared about like how much money they were making. You know, it really wasn't all about. It was just as much a, especially like in places like Los Angeles. Like it was just as much about entertainment and the entertainment business in punk rock as it was in like hair metal. Sure. You know, up to a point. Absolutely. It's just it was it just it was on a different scale. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that's something I like. I couldn't wrap my head around that idea for years. Like until maybe even recently, I didn't really understand that. Basically, all walks of life in the music industry, it's entertainment. I've been wanting to say we're the bad religion of emo. I've wanted to say (laughs) this for many years. I don't know when I could start saying it and people won't roll their eyes. Just start saying it. But I'm trying. (laughs) Just Just do it. it. Yeah, just start saying it. Why not? That's totally legit. You heard it here first. Yeah. Bad religion of emo. But, you know, I think it really is. We, (laughs) We put out a record like it like clockwork every two years so there's an odd number a year oh three oh five oh seven oh nine etc there's a silverstein record that's come out right and we've we that's really that's really happened so i think that that consistency and we always tour just as hard every record cycle i think that consistency along with the fact that we actually try to write good songs and we never phone anything in i think that those two things together are a big contributing factor to our longevity. Definitely. And also like we've switched labels multiple times and people are always asking me, well, why do we do this? And it's not because of bad blood. It's not because they, we, you know, there's, there was any kind of issues. You generally speaking, it's just like, you have to, you, your career has to be, Oh God, I just said the word career. Ha ha. You have to think about, <laughs> look what, what I did to you. <laughs> Oh, damn music business. There should be a bell somewhere. Ding, ding, ding. I win. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, now I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> you switch record labels because for your career. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. My career that I have, because <laughs> I'm a career. A musician. Yeah, I'm, a career. I'm, a music- I'm a musician. I'm an artist. Okay? Yes. yes. I think, you know, you have to take each step of the way as that step at that time. And as you know, how much music, the music industry has changed in the last few years, like, why would you stay with the same label if there's a better option? Right. You know what I mean? You need to be constantly fighting, like fighting for inches almost, you know, every step of the way to make things better and, and be able to sustain this. And that's where we're at now. Like, you know, we're 17 years in, we're already thinking about what we're going to do for year 20, you know, and, and, and how can we get there? And, and who can help us do it and what can we do to do it? And that's just the way we kind of operate now. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, on that note, Shane Told is the lead singer of the band Silverstein and he also hosts the podcast Lead Singer Syndrome. So Shane, thank you so much for coming on The Future of What today. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I, I wish you all the best of success in everything you're doing with all your endeavors as well. Did you like what you heard? then subscribe to The Future of What on iTunes. And thanks for listening.
That was Ghost by Silverstein. 